Welcome to the Purposely Driven Podcast. Each one of us has a part to play in this world. Our strengths and our gifts make our communities a little bit sweeter. Join me, LaToya Guillory, as I interview community leaders, entrepreneurs, stay-at-home moms, and more. Find out what drives them to get up in the morning and fulfill the purpose God has for them. Nicole Ryan Johnson, homeschooling mom, girl farmer, UL Lafayette graduate, and local entrepreneur, has ownership in several local business ventures, including CPR to Go, L4S Farms, Fightingville Fresh Market, and the Fresh Growers Collective. She has a passion for teaching and encouraging others in the areas of entrepreneurship, farming, and self-sustainability. Nicole enjoys networking with other like-minded individuals and is passionate about her community. As a farmer, Nicole's interest in our local food system is at an all-time high, with great emphasis on creating change around how we use food as medicine and how we prioritize shopping, supporting, and eating local. On a mission to show the world that women can do it all, Nicole is learning daily that the American dream is exactly what you make of it. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of my Purposely Driven podcast. Today, I have the privilege to introduce to you one of my favorite serial entrepreneurs, her name is Nicole Johnson. She does all of the things. She is definitely purposely driven. Um, businesses all over Acadiana. Nicole, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? I am doing well. Thank you for joining us and letting us get to know you a little bit and all of the different things that you do. Um, as we were talking earlier, you uh, made mention of some things that you were doing. And I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize that was a thing. And so I'm interested to learn more about the things that you're doing and, and whatnot. So give the audience a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yep. So uh, again, Nicole Johnson, um, originally from New Iberia, Louisiana, and um, I am definitely um, a serial entrepreneur. So uh, in 2011, I started a safety training company called CPR to go. Um, we uh, currently teach CPR, first aid and active shooter response training. Um, we service individual and business clients throughout Louisiana um, and a few other states. Um, and so I, I I teach classes myself, but I also contract with other instructors to help me teach classes. Um, the active shooter response training is a newer thing. I've been doing CPR and first aid since 2011. And then um, in 2000, um, so that was 2011. That was my baby. I've, you know, um, went full time in that business in 2014. And that's pretty much the only thing that I've been doing up until 2018. I had um, a baby and um, my boyfriend moved in with me. And in 2019, he and I uh, started farming. And so we started a farm and uh, at the end of 2019, right um like right before COVID, um, called L4S Farms. Um, and we grow mostly turmeric, ginger, and medicinal herbs. Um, we do grow, you know, cucumber, tomato, okra, but our specialty is the medicinal uh, crops. And we make products from those crops and we sell those um, products um, at the farmer's markets. We sell at Monkers Park on Saturday mornings. We also sell at Fightingville Fresh, which is um, another one of my business ventures that I started with two other farmers, Kevin uh, Ardoin and Kim Kulata. Um, we started that farmer's market in the Fightingville Laplace neighborhood, which is right outside of downtown Lafayette. And it's a very impoverished um, neighborhood with a high homeless population. And so we started that farmer's market really as a passion pro project 
to um really bring um nutrient nutrient dense produce local produce to the people who are in most need of um our produce and so um uh, we started Fightingville on Juneteenth of 2020. And um, yeah, so um, besides the businesses that, that I operate, um, you know, we are true homesteaders in that we um, try to produce as much um, of the food that we eat ourselves. We haven't gotten any uh, animals yet, but we definitely want to get chicken so we can have eggs and have chicken meat. Uh, and we interested in goat because we both like lamb. I mean, goat. And um, we uh, also have, we homeschool our kids. So I have a biological son that's five years old. And I have a bonus baby, my boyfriend's little girl who has been living with us for a little over a year. Uh, she's also five. And um, so we homeschool them. So a lot of moving parts, but uh, that's me. And I wouldn't change a thing about it. <laughs> but I appreciate that. And and you may not know this about me. I know we go back, but we've never had a chance to really sit down and talk, you know. Um, but my family, are, my family were farmers. My, my grandfather, my grandmother, and a lot of my great-grandparents and all, they were farmers. Wow. And so like whenever I would go, I'm from New Jersey originally, but I say I'm from South Jersey. Like we're not the, you know, North Jersey has a bad rap. Um, yeah. We're the friendly part. <laughs> You're not a Guido. I'm not a Guido. <laughs> not, I did go to the shore and to the boardwalk and things like that for the summer, but um, not a Guido, definitely not a Guido, but we liked to farm in South Jersey. And so my my grandparents had um, a farm or they had land on both sides of the house and he had the smokehouse with the chickens and the, the pigs and we call, you know, how y'all call um, hog head cheese out here. We called it sauce meat out there. Um, and so for the longest time, I was like, I'll eat that. I don't eat hog head cheese. I don't know. That. Right, right. <laughs> so my dad was like, oh, yeah, let's turn that up. Like, yeah, who wants that? Right. <laughs> and so I appreciate, I appreciate that. Because one of the, my fondest memories is, is taking the, the foods and things that we had grown, the watermelon, the squash, the green beans and whatnot, and selling it at the foot of the road or, mm -hmm. You know, my grandmother was like, hey, we're going to have cabbage and like go out to the garden to pick a head or whatever. And she'll come in and yeah. she'll cut it up or, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. You know, and so I appreciate farmers. I appreciate, you know, what you what you guys are doing. Um, and one of the things I want to speak to is uh, you're on the board of AFA. Can you tell us about that and what that stands for? Yep. So uh, AFA is um, Acadiana Food Alliance. And this organization has been in Lafayette since 2014. And um, it has, you know, built momentum and lost momentum a couple of times. And right now, um, it's at a point where we lost our momentum. I'm actually a new board member, probably three or four months. Um, but the, the organization lost momentum around, you know, COVID time. And um, as a farmer, like I said, I started farming around COVID. I've always backyard garden, but uh, started actually farming, like leased land specifically to farm um, in uh, 2020. And um, so in my short period of farming, um, they, I, I noticed that there are a lot of organizations around the state that provide technical assistance for farmers. Um, and honestly, I wasn't aware of AFA, but AFA, that is pretty much their mission to um, be an aid to farmers because farming is hard work. It is not um, easy to do. It is not for the faint of heart. You know, like farming, um, a farmer can lose all of their crops just because of um, a bug that they didn't have the year before that just showed up in, in a matter of two days while they were trying to figure out what's actually eating their plants in a matter of two days, that bug can destroy a whole crop, you know, um, an acre of 
um, you know, whatever they're growing. And that is to the detriment of the farmer because that was money in the ground. That was money that they were expecting to harvest and sell or process, you know. And so farming is hard because there's so many, um, the heat this summer, uh, we had record high yeah. of um, the heat that we we experienced. And our crops, uh, turmeric and ginger, they love heat, but this heat was too much for even them. And so, um, you know, farming is really hard. And so AFA is an organization to really help um, be the eyes and ears of farmers because farmers are farming. Mm -hmm. And so having an organization that is paying attention to what grants are available and what um, relief efforts are available for farmers. Um, you know, if a farmer wants to lease land um, or, you know, AFA is an organization that can help them, um, you know, build a contract that protects them on the lease land or whatever it is that the farmer needs. Um that like I said, that there are technical assistance organizations around the state to specifically to help farmers. And um when I found AFA, I was like, I want to be a part of that organization because I lean on these other organizations. There's one in Alexandria and one in New Orleans that I lean heavily on whenever I first started farming, and I still do. So to have an organization that's right in my backyard that is doing the exact same thing. I want to help bring that organization back to life. Like I say, right now, there's not a lot going on with us, um, but we are, you know, we do have our wheels in motion to try to help build um, the community of farmers. And right now with, you know, the way the world is, um, we're going to really need to rely on farmers more now than ever. Um, and uh, so helping to build people who want to farm, you know, grow the grower, like grow people who want to farm and really having resources available for them. That's really the goal of AFA. And like I said, I joined because um, because I want to be a part of that. But also, too, um, there's not a lot of representation for um, Black farmers. They call BIPOC farmers, but it's so funny whenever I talk to farmers and I say, we're looking for BIPOC farmers, they like, What's a BIPOC farmer? So just to put it in layman's terms, like there's not a lot of representation for black farmers. And to your point, Toya, um, a lot of us are not far removed from our family being farmers. Right. Most of us, like our grandparents or our mm -hmm. great grandparents either farm or remember the generations before them that did farm, that depending on, like my stepdaddy always told a story about he wasn't a farmer, and this is when I, the world was really starting to moder modernize, but he tells a story about when he would go to the grocery store with his mama, how they would pick a live chicken, and they would wring the chicken neck, and they would process the chicken and give his mama the meat of the chicken that they just killed. And he always tells this story about like how the one time his mama had him uh, ring the neck of the chicken. He broke the chicken neck, but he didn't kill the chicken. So it was oh. chicken running around with a broken neck. And so oh. I used to laugh about that. But now that I think about it, like we so far removed from that. Yeah. We go to the store and we buy the best piece of chicken that they have in a package that they might have packaged a week before, or it might be frozen and yeah. they might harvested that, you know, processed that chicken six months before that how fresh we used to eat and how we used to eat and depend on the land. And now we just depend on the grocery store. And on some, in some parts of the, the city, there's no grocery stores around, you know? Yeah. So it just creates this food insecurity issue when we all used to be able to sustain ourselves or even just sustain our neighborhood. Um, I don't want to go off on a tangent, but I just want to make this other point. Like, so my grandfather, I remember growing up, my grandfather, he had a farm. He worked on the railroad track, but he had a big farm. And they would come to him for his, for the okra and for the figs and for the tomatoes. And my daddy would always say, we had a cousin 
who had peppers. So my grandfather would barter with my cousin that had peppers. No money was exchanged. It was this amount of peppers for this amount of okra. And they had a barter system. Like our communities used to be able to sustain ourselves, sustain themselves. And now we're in a situation where we so dependent on external, you know, resources to try to help us. And it's really sad to see. I agree. Um, you know, I think about farming and how crucial it is. Like everything, like, I, I mean, I, I frequent the grocery store. Now I've gotten to a point where there's only a few grocery stores that I'll go to to get produce mm -hmm. if I don't get like my produce from a from a farmer's market. And that is Albertsons. Like Albertsons is really the only place I would get fresh produce from, fresh fruits and all that from, because I feel like they take more care. Mm -hmm. of their um of their fruits if I don't get them from a farmer's market yeah. um but man back in the day like that's what we did we lived yep. off of the earth like yep. and and we were able to do so much like you said the barter systems and we were just so resilient and and somewhere yep. along the line we we lost that I felt like you know we we couldn't get back to that place or whatever. We got too lazy or whatever. And yeah. secretly, like, I don't have a green thumb right now, but once I stop doing all of these things that I'm doing, I'm going to get me a little garden in my yeah. backyard. Yeah. Greenhouse something. I'm going to start somewhere because yeah. I love fresh cucumbers. You know, I come and get yes. your cucumbers. All yeah. Time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love fresh fruit, okra, uh, all of that kind of stuff. I love all of that stuff. And so, um, it's something about, I don't know about you, but you know, the fresh green beans. Yes. Where you got the snap, the, um, uh -huh. the, and I love something about that snap for me. That snap. You know? <laughs> that snap is everything. You right about that. <laughs> and they taste so good. You know, when you're, you're putting them in the pot and you, you know, you know that you got a fresh home cooked meal on a good Sunday, Saturday, whenever you choose to cook that. But yeah, so I appreciate farming so much because y'all, y'all really taught us how to live. You know, you taught mm -hmm. us how to be resilient, you know, when we didn't have the opportunities to do so. Yeah. So okay. you, you do more than AFA, you, you town folk community. Now this is one that I've never heard of and, and I appreciate what you do there too. Can give us a little bit about that one. Yep. So uh, Town Folk is another nonprofit I'm on the board for. Uh, I'm on the gardening, gardening committee. So um, if you are on uh, Pier Street around where Black Cafe is, uh, across the street from Black Cafe, kind of cat a corner, there's a community garden. Um, and that garden is operated. That's actually in land for... Um, LFPTA, um, Lafayette Public Trust Fund Authority. Um, it's their land and they lease it to town folk. Um, I think there's like a 90 year lease. Um, and um, they created the uh, community garden. It was actually the efforts of um, a young lady, and I can't think of her name right now, but she was um, murdered in the uh, theater uh, shooting that happened at the Grand on Johnson Street, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, a few years ago. Um, that was her passion project. From what I understand, I never met her, uh, and I, I apologize for blanking on her name right now. Um because I want to honor her, but um, she had a vision of having these victory gardens kind of throughout uh, Lafayette, and they were working on the first one, and she passed, mm -hmm. and um, they, they, they finished this project in honor of her, um, but victory gardens is something that goes back to um, I can't remember what war, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on it, but um, maybe World War II, um, the government was like, as citizens, if you all want to help us at war, grow your own food, grow your own food. Um, so then it's not required for them to have to import and export so much if we grow on our own food. So this was the way that citizens could help 
each other uh, or help themselves and help each other really sustain during the war. Um, and so that's where the term Victory Gardens comes from. But uh, so Town Folks Victory Garden, um, you know, again, the Fightingville Laplace neighborhood is a very impoverished, very um, high homeless population. And so uh, the Victory Garden, we grow food for people in the neighborhood to come and get. So um, I just went there the other day. They have some watermelon growing. Um, I had donated some turmeric and ginger. That's growing nicely. Um, there's some Tulsi basil, which that's a medicinal uh, type of basil that helps with anxiety and all kinds of other things. You can make tea from it. Um, there's some blackberry bushes, some blueberries. Uh, I think there's a citrus tree. Um, there's some uh, purple hall peas growing in there. We just cut down the okra. They had some sunflowers growing. You could have harvested the sunflower seeds. So it's just a garden, a community garden um, for the community um, that has a little food. And it's just a beautiful place to go and sit and uh, just enjoy the community. And so um, it's an open space for the community because of, you know, some of the... Um, not so good things that happen in the neighborhood. They do have hours that they're open. They used to be open 24 seven, but now I think it's closed at night. Um, but in addition to the community garden, they also have an effort called Town Folk Table. It's in partnership with Whole Foods. And so they get gently, um, you know, used, um, not used, but like, um, they get produce. Uh, so again, it's in partnership with Whole Foods and Whole Foods gives uh, town folk um, food from their store. A lot of times it's stuff that might have a week before or two weeks before it expires. Uh, maybe something that didn't really sell on the shelf. Um, it's nothing that they have is expired, but there's a lot of... Uh, um, greens and uh, fresh produce um, and uh, protein that um, bread, some some desserts uh, from the deli. And so we pack probably uh, town folk table happens every week, um, usually on a Saturday or Sunday. And um, Whole Foods gets that food to us. We make grocery bags. And I think uh, Mr. Dale, uh, who does the deliveries? He's the the president of uh, Town Folk right now. He um, delivers maybe between twenty and thirty bags every weekend to different residents in the neighborhood, um, and then we give away another ten to fifteen bags to just people that walk up to. We do it at the Victory Garden every Saturday or Sunday morning. Uh, it really just depends, um, you know, what's going on that week. We kind of flip flop between Saturdays and Sundays. Um, and give away groceries to the neighborhood, you know? Mm. That's awesome. I, I love that because, you know, our homeless population has skyrocketed in, in yes. Lafayette or Acadiana, yes. um, and that gives them another resource to be able to get some nutrients um, yeah. today. Yep. Good going, y'all. Good going. So what does a typical day look like for you? So every day is different for me, um, but um, so um, today, today, uh, usually um, I am teaching and really focusing on CPR to go uh, two, two and a half days a week. So that might mean teaching a CPR class or um, working on my business in some way right now. I'm uh, updating my um my website. So I might be, you know, doing that. Um, but I have two and two to two and a half days a week that, um, I don't have the kids. Um, my boyfriend usually handles up on that or, um, they'll go to my mom's. Um, and so on those two days I'm humping, I'm working, um, probably from about six 30 in the morning to about seven o'clock at night, doing something in my business, getting that time in so that on the days I'm not working, everything could kind of run smoothly. Um, I usually, um, work on, um, 
Wednesdays and Thursdays, and some day sometimes I have day on Fridays, but I like to take Mondays and Fridays uh, for my family. I don't know why. Um, I guess because Mondays are really like that hustle and bustle day, mm -hmm. beginning of the week for everybody, and I'm a rebel, so I like to do opposite <laughs> of what everybody else doing. So you working on a Monday, I want to be off doing something with my children. Um, <laughs> And um, Fridays, because everybody's like, you know, the weekend starts at 4.30. I like to take Fridays off, like, you know, again, just my rebel spirit. Um, but sometimes I do work, like, early in the morning, like, 6 to maybe 11 o'clock on a Friday. And then I just take the rest of the Friday off. And so Mondays and Fridays are, for sure, homeschool days. Um, right now, they're five. So homeschool is really only, like... 30 to 45 minutes of like structured we teaching a new concept mm -hmm. but um in the homeschool community um they always say up until the age of seven is really just like learning through play um and so um right now they're learning um um they they know their their letter sounds so right now we're trying to blend two and three letter words and so I might for 30, 45 minutes um, have some flashcards where we like strategically, you know, learning more structured. But then just through the rest of the day, like if I read them a book, um, we'll pick out the words, you know, some two and three letter words and, you know, um, try to, you know, put those um, sound blends together or do some work on ABC mouse. Our days are not really structured. It's just kind of like, okay, you know, what's going on at the library? Okay, there's nothing going on at the library. Let's, you know, um, go to the, the museum or it's really just being intentional about teaching them things. Mm -hmm. um, and so, um, and my little boy really likes science. So I'm always doing a science. We always making a volcano or making some slime, or doing something really just to pique his interest in science. He really likes dinosaurs. So um, anytime we could hit up a dinosaur park, or there's mm -hmm. some kind of event coming to town dealing with dinosaurs, because uh, he really likes that. And he not just like the way they look and the way that they roar. He likes, you know, this... Um, dinosaur is an herbivore that only eats plants or this dinosaur is a carnivore that likes to eat meat and so um you know if you tell him like a t-rex he'll say oh the t-rex is a carnivore you know like he's really yeah. into dinosaurs and so I really um try to pique his interest there and um my little bonus baby she loves 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 writing so I'm always like getting stuff to help her write. Like she knows how to pronounce her name. I mean, spell her name. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, she just likes like her whole name. My yeah. little boy, he could barely spell his first name, but yeah. they on, you know, they both five, but they got different levels and mm -hmm. they have different interests. And so we do a method of homeschooling called unschooling where it's not structured. It's really just based on what piques their interest. And so, when I find something that they, that I recognize really piques their interest, I really kind of focus and, you know, hone in on that. And when they get tired of that, we move on to their next interest. Um, and there are structured things, you know, along the way that we do, but school is different for us every day. Yeah. Um, there are some days that um, I may go help my, my boyfriend with something at the farm um, and we all go do it together. Um, we big on teaching them how to grow because that's helping them to learn how to sustain themselves. Yeah. Um, we also are really big on teaching them the medicinal side of plants so that like they understand right now, if they get sick, if, if um, they get a cold or something, they know I need some of that turmeric medicine. If they have an upset stomach, they already know. Can I have a little ginger tea? Um, and so teaching them like how to sustain themselves from like, um, you know, how to grow things, how to create your own medicine. Um, the other thing is we teaching them, uh, commerce. They come to the farmer's market with us. They see us making transactions with people and answering questions for people mm -hmm. about 
the different products that we have. Um, they also see us, um, you know, so a lot of our um, medicinal products that we make, we sell in different stores. So uh, Drug Emporium um, and uh, a, a health food store in Liberia called Natural Nutrition Center. Mm -hmm. And in the All Center, there's a... Um, there's a, a restaurant called Five Mile Eatery. So we have products in those stores. Um, we sell on Etsy and through our website. So they help us package products. They help us, you know, um, make drop-offs when we have to drop off to, you know, inventory to different stores. So they, you know, they understand business. Um, they understand farming. They understand, um, you know, just life. Um, at five years old, I think, you know, that's great that they understand yeah. that. Cause I didn't really learn like the concept of money until I was in high school, I mean, in, in college and I really had to manage my own money. Yeah. Um, I didn't really get those skills until I needed them. They have those skills already. And so, um, just being intentional about teaching them. I know you asked me what my day looks like, but like I said, every day is different. Yeah. Um, but that's just kind of a peek into like the different things I do. Today is a CPR training day. I'm actually at uh, Acadia Parish School Board today. Um, I have over 80 uh, special education uh, teachers, nurses, paraprofessionals, aides that I'm teaching CPR to. So um, I'm on a break right now, but I've been at it since eight o'clock this morning. And I think I leave here at like 4.30 this afternoon. So a full day of just teaching CPR. I love how you're able to compartmentalize everything though. Like every everything has its structure, right? Mm -hmm. Like you said, Mondays and Fridays, that's my family time. You yep. know, on these days, this is when I do this. This is how I do this. And I feel like that's like a fundamental trait that purposely driven people need to have because you can't be purposely driven if you're trying to do all of the things all of the time. It's about compartmentalizing. Yeah compartmentalizing and organizing yourself in a way that you can continually be you and hit all your passion projects and all of that family time and all of that kind of stuff yep. also because the, all of those things make you who you are mm -hmm. yep and just making little strides for everything but that calendar that calendar my calendar stays tight yes I, so the minute um if we need to order more jars um the minute my, my boyfriend might say hey we need this product I'm adding it to my to-do list so when I'm you know when I do sit down and I do my computer work I already know the things I need to do because all week I've just been gathering them on my calendar so having my calendar that helps me run a real tight shift and if it's not on my calendar it does not that exist <laughs> thank god for google calendar that part and yes. <laughs> right, and calendar. So, so there's a lot of automation that happens too. Yes, <laughs> for sure. What would you say you would devote your life to? Um. So, um, I've always said that. Um, even before I had children, when you know. Um, my, I have a niece that's my age. So growing up, because um, I didn't have my baby until I was 36, but my entire life, I recognized that like our elderly and our youth are like our most important, most valuable um, uh, demographics. And so um, really, I devote my life to making my um ancestors proud mm -hmm. and really just um really just put myself in a position where um I'm living out the life that I feel like they would have wanted me to but also um being intentional about um impacting our youth because they're our future and especially now when I have two kids, like, I want to create a legacy yeah. that is in line with, with my, you know, with, with the path that my ancestors brought me to, um, and that my children can follow. So 
Um, you know, I always talk about the American dream. Uh, anytime somebody asks me about like the American dream, I always say it doesn't have to look the same way for everybody. And right. so my um my grandfather farmed, he worked on a railroad track. Um, my daddy said, I'm not picking no peppers and I ain't working in that heat. I'm going to college. And he got away from the farm. And um then um he got away from the farm. He got away from the sustainability that all of that brought. And so now my daddy sees me farming and he's like, man, your grandfather would have been proud of you. Mm -hmm. um, but growing up, my daddy drilled into me like, you got to go to school. You got to get good grades. You got to get a job. You got to climb that corporate ladder. And that's not it for everybody. It's not yeah. for everybody. And I also see people that's climbing the corporate ladder become slaves to their jobs mm -hmm. and their children need them, but they can't give the attention they need to them because they making, you know, this two, $300,000 a year and they got to devote themselves to that, but they can't focus on what they want to focus on or what they probably need to focus on. Yeah. And I just want to break that cycle of like, feeling that I have to do things a certain way. I just want to do things the way that it works for me. Yeah. And this is what works for me. Um, and so, but in that, I'm very intentional about trying to create this legacy of freedom for the generations to come. Because there's bondage sometimes in working for people. There's bond Honestly, there's bondage in working for yourself because... <laughs> There's nobody else to depend on for nothing. Else, right. You know, you hire, you know, that perfect person, but um there's bondage in, you know, working for other people and climbing that carpet ladder. And I just want to break that. I don't I don't want to be a part. I tell you I'm a rebel. If you <laughs> need to do this, I'm gonna be like, hmm, let me explore this option. I recognize <laughs> that there's some, you know, there are certain things in place for a reason, but um it don't look the same for everybody. And so um, that's really my life's journey, just to really create a legacy of freedom for my children. Absolutely. I love that. So what does living in purpose mean to you? Um, again, just being intentional. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my faith is important to me. My family is important to me entrepreneurship is important to me uh, community is important to me and so everything that I do has to align with those things yeah um and if it doesn't serve me or serve my purpose um I don't want to beat myself up about having to cut that off I want to be intentional about um my life and everything that I do. So every decision I make, I make it with purpose. Like, does it, does it serve me in one of the capacities that's a priority to me or that's important to me? And if it's not, I'm easy to say no to it. And if yeah. it is, and I can figure out how to work it, you know, into my Google calendar, I want to do it, you know, yeah. so just being intentional about um my life and the way that I live and not, just like running aimlessly. That's really important to me. Yeah. And, and I tell people all the time, it's like, when you're living with purpose, like, it's okay to say no. Like, mm -hmm. you can't, we can't. It's just impossible to do everything well. Yeah. But then also, there are so many people on this earth and every one of us have our own gifts, our own strengths, yep. our own passions. If we move out of our lane and step into somebody else's lane like what we're giving out to them is not what they need because that's mm -hmm. not that's not your lane that's not where yep. you're supposed to be yeah so we end up side swiping somebody or crashing into somebody kind of mm -hmm. thing we step into a zone that's not ours right not allow the people that this is the lane that that they're geared for not allowing them to take the reins because 
we're picking up all of the things and we don't have to. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Yep. Where do you draw your strength from? Um, so first and foremost, from my faith, you know, um, my faith in God, my faith that um I was put here on purpose for a purpose. Mm -hmm. Um that definitely helps me um to keep pushing. Um, you know, that's what faith is. Faith is taking that step, knowing that that step is right underneath you, even if you don't see it. You know, that's not my job is not to God does a good job of being God. Yeah. And 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 I don't need to do his job. I just need to do my part. And so um my strength absolutely comes from that. Like I'd be lying if I say if I gave glory to anything else other than that. Um but I am really, really big. Like I said this before, but I'm really big on like, I want to make my parents proud mm -hmm. and I want to make my children proud. And so, um, and I got nieces and nephews that watch me, you know? And mm -hmm. so, uh, and other people's, my, my friends and, you know, their children, like people are watching. And so, um, you know, you're going to be a role model in some way. I want to be positive. And so I just try to live, try to live in that. And, um, and that's really where my strength comes from. Like, I want to make my mom and my daddy proud. I want to make these children proud of me. And so um, I wake up and I keep doing what I do. Even when things are not the best, I will put on my, my poker face and all my brave face and keep pushing. And, and I think that in itself is part of our legacy, um, just as being Black folk, you know, because for a long time, it, and you know we're coming we're still coming out of out of it where it wasn't like the best situation it, it was hard to keep pushing but we knew that we had to do what we had to do for our families mm -hmm. and and continuing on that legacy within our children right like it's not always going to be I say peaches and pancakes it's not always going to be peaches and pancakes I don't know how that goes together but it just sounds good right mm -hmm. it's not always going to be peaches and pancakes <laughs> It's not. <laughs> <laughs> but regardless of, we got a mission, you know. And, and and I like to say, um, everything that tries to come against our mission, we use that as ammunition yep. to continue the mission. So it's ammunition mm -hmm. for the mission, you yep. know, and continue to leave that legacy because there's so much that is within us that the world needs. Yeah, and and we're not taking no L's around here. No. There's no losses. We're going to no. learn from it, and we're going to keep pushing. My daddy always say, right now you might cry about it, but a year from now you'll be able to laugh about it. Embrace right. the journey. Embrace yeah. the journey. It's not a race. It's a journey, and that, you know, you just got to walk through it. I um One of my farm friends, uh, uh, older gentleman, been farming for forever, Um. He came visit us the other day at market. He'd been down, you know, for the last um, few months. Um, and he came visit us at market on Thursday, on Tuesday. Um, he has cancer. And mm -hmm. he was just saying, you know, I thought I was going to do this chemo and this radiation and take these pills and I was going to bounce back. He was like, um, he was really speaking about his new doctor. He, uh, he was saying his doctor is an Indian lady and she really was looking at things from a holistic uh, standpoint and not just like, you know, a specialist where she was just laser focused on the two tumors he had. And she told him, um, you know, instead of thinking about it as I'm fighting this cancer, recognizing that these tumors are part of you right now. Mm -hmm. And 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 um focusing on living with these tumors and really adjusting life based on this new discovery. And so it's not really, you know, it's like you're on this journey and then you hit this road, this this bump in the road, and we think, okay, we need to go around this bump. Well, maybe we need to go through the hump. Because yeah. on the other side of the hump, you know, you don't know what's on the other side of that. So going through the hump will prepare you for what's on the other side of the hump. And so um, when he said that to me, it was just like real eye opening, real prophetic for me, because um, that's what we do in life. We like, yeah. oh, this happening. We about to fight this. Well, maybe we don't need to fight it. Maybe yeah. we need to go through it because that's what's going to prepare us 
but what's on the other side of that? And so learning to live with that and learning how to adjust, you know, that's a big part of life, you know? Right. Oh, I love that. I love it. Do you have a favorite scripture or quote? Um, so, uh, I'm big on, if you don't work, you don't eat. And that's why I work so hard. Yeah. Um, but, um, I don't know the exact, um, uh, scripture, um, but there's a scripture that says something around, um, the fact that God did not create us to be slaves to mm -hmm. fear. And I'm big on that, especially when, like things start looking rough, start things start looking cloudy. I'm like, God did, did not create this fear. I am a mighty lion. Like yeah. you gonna hear me roar. Yeah. And so um I just live with that. Like anytime fear tries to take over me, I just dismiss that because I recognize that that's not of God. Yeah. And that might not be prophetic for nobody else, but that is everything for me. Like, because when I make moves, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to be ordinary. I'm trying to be extraordinary. And I recognize that in trying to do that, um, and, and I want to say extraordinary does not mean like, I want to be a millionaire because yeah. I don't know what's going to come with being a millionaire, how much right. time it's going to take away from what my priorities are. So that ain't my goal. My goal is to be extraordinary. And like I say, to leave a legacy that my parents are going to be proud of and my children can continue. And so um, I can't be fearful in that. You know what I'm saying? I'm on a mission, like you said. Right. I'm on a mission. <laughs> and so ain't no fear when you're on a mission. You right. got to be focused. And so um, just recognizing that if I don't work, I don't eat. And if I'm working, there's some fear that's going to come in my way, but I know that ain't of God. I love that. Just knock it on out of there. Yay. That, I love the, the illustration of the, the fierce lioness. Yeah. You know? I'm a warrior. There's a scripture that says the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Mm -hmm. But if you position yourself as a fierce lioness, it's like, what yeah. you going to do? Right. right. <laughs> like right. come for my family if you want to. Come for my business. Come from this, that, and the other if you want to. I'm a fierce lioness. Yeah. And I'm coming back for you. Right. You know, I sometimes allows you to walk with that confidence. Yes. Allows me to walk in confidence for sure. Um, so you know, I'm into the holistic stuff. So there's this um wood called um uh, palisanto. It's mm -hmm. it you burn it, you kind of um um burn it and kind of walk around your house and while I'm walking around my house I just be casting out things like lord you know I'll, I'll wave it around you know so it's a piece of wood kind of like sage like you're burning sage in your mm -hmm. house kind of the you know just like bring the positivity and release the negativity yeah. um and so when I when I'm waving it around my house just you know um, I'll wave it around the door. I did that this morning before I left. And I'm like, Lord, protect us as we come in and as, as we go out. Mm -hmm. My boyfriend and my baby will sleep. And I'm like, protect these men. These are the men of our family, you know, help them to be strong. And so um, I know I don't need that. The 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 Palisanto is just like a physical thing for me to like, you know, burn. And um, mm -hmm. it's just like a representation, but like, I walk in it every morning. I'm like, especially when things going crazy in my household, I'm like, Lord, bring us back to peace. Yeah. You know, devil, you're not stealing our energy. You're not about yeah. to take that from us, you know? And I call that out. I say out loud and I call that out because um, I ain't scared of you. I ain't living in fear, you know? You can't do me nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but disturb my peace. That's all you can do. <laughs> And I'm only gonna let you do that for a little while. <laughs> Girl, I'm rolling my eyes while I'm because that devil be trying. Go sit down somewhere, you please. <laughs> please. Oh, we well, made mention of it earlier. How can we find you if they want to get your products? If uh, you made mention of a couple of stores that you're in, of course, Fightingville Fresh and whatnot. How can we find you? 
All right. So uh, again, a lot of moving parts. So if you want to find me personally, I'm on most social media as Nicole Ryan Johnson. Ryan is my middle name, um, like a boy's name with an E at the end, R-O-Y-A-N-E, Nicole Ryan Johnson. Um, but I really spend most of my uh, my time on social media on my business pages. So uh, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and LinkedIn um, at CPR2GO. So it's CPR, the number two, and GO, spelled like Go Cajun. So CPR, the number two, G-E-A-U-X. Um, our form page is L4S. So L is in Larry, the number four, S is in Sam, forms with an S at the end. Um, we also have a website for, uh, I have a website for CPR to go and for L4S forms. L4S forms also has an Etsy page. Um, our Etsy, our website is probably the best place to find out, you know, any information about our form or to follow us on social media. Um, like I said, our form products, we, we have a, um, black turmeric tincture. Um, we have a healing, like skin healing, um, kind of spot treating pain type salve. It's just like an oil. Um, we sell capsules of the turmeric, um, during the season. We have, uh, ginger shots and, um, a whole array of other products. Um, and, uh, we sell a lot of dried herbs, um, we sell those products again at Drug Emporium, at Five Mile Eatery in the All Center, at Drug Emporium in Lafayette, Five Mile Eatery in the Oil Center, and um, Natural Nutrition Grocers, Natural Nutrition Center in uh, New Iberia. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Also, we have products at Coffee Weed Cottage on Simcoe. Um, we just got some products in there a couple of weeks ago uh, with Ms. Denise, who is the bomb, and you have to visit because her space is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Fighting Real Fresh uh, Farmer's Market is at 315 West Simcoe um, between the blocks of Pierce and Madison. And our Farmer's Market is open on Tuesdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And on Saturdays uh, in the afternoon from 1 to 4 p.m. Um, we have uh, an open space like an open green space at the farmer's market. Um, we do have a community garden there, but we do garden club for people that uh, want to come and volunteer at the garden or if they just want to learn how to garden. Um, garden club is a great place to come. Um, and that is every Tuesday and every Saturday at 4 p.m. Um, so that's pretty much you know where you will catch me. Oh, I love it. Oh, I'm gonna have to take notes for that garden club. Let me yeah. call, my, call my little nerves down. As soon as I get me some free time, I'm coming. Turn that black thumb green. That's what we specialize <laughs> in. I love it. I love it. Well, yeah. it was so great sitting and talking with you today. Thank you for joining us and letting us get to know all of the things that you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. I appreciate what you're doing for our community. We appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate you and what you got going on. Thank you. This has been the Purposely Driven Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this interview and I look forward to you joining me in the future. If you enjoyed the show, click the subscribe button and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. This podcast is listener supported. New shows are posted twice a month for your listening pleasure. See you soon.